make a statement about Christmas bells and, and hearing what the, angel, what the shepherd's message was. There was a bit of a conflict uh, that came along because when he first penned that, he didn't, he didn't pin it det- uh, discussing the angels singing. And um, he just, he, because of the heavenly host, he didn't want to define it as it just being angels singing. Wesley was kind of one of those theologically precise guys. But then there was another guy that came along named George Whitfield. He was much more of a charismatic than Wesley was. And, um, and he took the same song. He took Wesley's song, actually. And he was the one that said that the angels was the ones that were singing. And um, Wesley got really upset about that. Uh, as a matter of fact, they had some words, and after they had some disputes about that song, they never spoke again. But here is the, here is the bad part. Wesley went on and published the song in the way that he wrote it. Whitfield went on and published the song in the way that he rearranged it, and it's the way Whitfield did it is what we sing every week, which didn't add to Wesley and their friendship, if you know what I mean. But what, what I like about the song is just that first line, hark the herald, whether the angels sung, we know it was a heavenly host, but hark the herald. Hark is not a word that we use very often. Uh, No one goes around and when we see somebody, we say hark. I mean, we just don't do that. I don't walk up on you and say hark. We, We don't use that word, but hark simply means to listen, that there is a message that needs to be heard. Now, what's intriguing about this, it's the shepherds that go out and give that message. There's a reason why the shepherds wanted people to hear them, because shepherds was those who were not considered of any kind of class. They were low class or considered low class people in that day. Uh, No one wanted to be a shepherd all of their life. Shepherds was usually uh, limited to young boys, when they got older, they did not consider, to consider themselves to remain a shepherd. It was just was not, you, don't, you didn't bring, a woman didn't bring uh, a young man in her house and say, Daddy, I want to marry this fella. And the daddy says, well, what does he do? And she says, well, he's a shepherd. That really wouldn't go very far because they were considered low-class people. They always smelled because they were always with the sheep. They weren't very religious, uh, spiritually uh, uh, apt. Uh, because they never were able to go to temple worship. Not only that, they were believed or thought to be people that weren't honest. And so a shepherd could never be a witness for anything that needed a witness. They weren't considered credible. But yet, it was our Lord who chose to bring the message to shepherds. People that people wouldn't want to listen to and people who who wouldn't be normally heard. And I I think it's important because I absolutely know that the the shepherds, not only did they have a message for that time, but they also have a message for us today. Many of us, when we gather around for Christmas and with our families, for many of us, it's it's a joyful occasion. It's a time of singing. It's a time of laughter. It's a time of family. Even when we talk about, when we sing Silent Night, it's usually looked upon as a time of peace or a time that's bright, but not for everyone. As a matter of fact, I I know for a fact when Christmas comes around, for some people, it just makes them feel a little bit more lonely. 
For some folks, when Christmas comes around, they think about people who are no longer in their life, whether it be a brother, whether it be a sister, whether it be a son, a father, whether it be a husband, a girlfriend, a boyfriend, a spouse. It's oftentimes also at Christmas time when families attempt to get together that they discover how broken and dysfunctional that their family really might be. It's, it's during those times that sometimes some families, when they come together, their only goal is a hope that we can get through this family gathering without anybody having to call the police. <laughs> Guess I'm talking from experience on that one. But, but, uh, but it's also at Christmas time that people, some people that may enter it jobless or people that may enter it worried about their future, worried about their marriage, or maybe worried about the lack of marriage prospects. Some people might go to Christmas just uh, trying, to, trying to escape and get away from, from the law. It's no different for many of us than for the shepherds. Many of us are in the same place and condition, not considered the people that are on top of things and on, on top of life. But this first Christmas, the, the message came to the shepherds, and it's a message also for us. When you consider even these days, when if you listen, and I, I love the word there, hark meaning listen, if you listen to people, you might hear people being a little bit more depressed. It doesn't, it's not a day that goes by that you can't open the newspaper and see where someone committed suicide. It's not a day that goes by that you don't see where people are more angry and more hostile and, and lives being taken because of people's emotions and being upset. And it has nothing to do with politics, has nothing to do with economy, has nothing to do with who's in charge of the country or who's not in charge of the country. It has everything to do with people's relationship to the almighty God. And then when, these, when people approach these things from that aspect and the anxiety that, that causes these things uh, to push to the surface, they just want to try to escape it or they just want to try to dismiss it. They just want to get past the anxiety and try to embrace and enjoy life. As a matter of fact, the reason this song or this message is so good, because even in that time, peace was needed even in Jerusalem. Peace was needed in Israel. Peace was needed among the people there. There was all kinds of hostility, all kinds of anger. There was oppression that was going on. People was in all kinds of impoverished situations. Even then, people was crying for peace and the message comes and the shepherd says, I want you to listen to this. Peace can come. It's not a matter of pushing away anxiety. People have tried it. I read about um, a philosopher by the name of Epicurus. He was a philosopher in 300 BC. And the writer that I read, he said that he actually thinks he was the first shrink, I guess, a psychiatrist that, that you would say. And he, there was a school that was developed from him, Epicureans, but not that he intended to develop the school, but people began to go out and teach the things that he was teaching people that he was gathering around him. And one of the main things that he wanted to help people do was not to have to deal with anxiety, to, to find a way for anxiety to not be part of their life, that they would live a life of serenity and peace if they could just get rid of anxiety. And, and I want you to hear this. He gave four steps that people should embrace. And if they embrace these four things, 
then they wouldn't have to worry about anxiety in their life. And here, here was his method. Step one, do not believe in God or in the gods. They most likely do not exist. And even if they did, it's preposterous to believe that they could possibly care for us or watch over us or keep us in any kind of manner. So he just said, just do not believe in God and that'll help you get past anxiety. You don't have to worry about good behavior because there's no God that you got to give account to. His second step was this, don't worry about death. He said, be assured death is only oblivion. It's a condition not different from your life before you were born, just utter blankness. As a matter of fact, you can forget about heaven, forget about hell, neither one of them exists. When you come to that time of death, you just have the big oblivion, nothing, nada, zilch. Get it out of your mind. There's no reason to have anxiety about death because death just takes us into an utter darkness. The third step, he said, is forget about as best as you can about pain. Pain is either brief or either pain is going to diminish because eventually you're just going to go into utter darkness. So you don't need to worry about pain because you're going to soon die and you'll just be in oblivion. So pain disappears. You don't need to worry about the intensity of it. You don't have to worry about it lingering. Death can't be far away. And so then if you have pain, just forget about it. Soon it'll be over and you'll be in just a deep, dark sleep. Step four, he says, don't waste your time trying to acquire anything good for your life because it takes more effort to acquire something good and then when you get it, you find out it really ain't that good anyway. So why even have the anxiety of trying to find something good for life? Just forget about that. So let me just summarize. Uh, this is my message for you. If you wanna get rid of anxiety, here's my message. Forget about God, forget about death, forget about pain, and forget about getting a hold of anything good for your life. And you won't have to worry about anxiety. And my first question is, if that's even possible, who wants to live that way? Who wants to live in that kind of manner? Who wants to live so detached from life and emotions? And can I say it? Drama. <laughs> Who wants to live so detached from those things and not enjoy the things that God provides for us? So the, the, the pursuit for us is not to find a way to escape anxiety. The pursuit for us is find joy and peace that's made available through the Lord Jesus Christ. It's Christ really that's the game changer. He's the one that changes. Listen to this, I love this passage. This was the foundation passage when we first started CTC 26 years ago. This is talking about our Lord. It says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. For the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come. And with it, the day of God's anger against their enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. Can you say amen? It's all about accepting Jesus, the game changer. And because we have 
accepted Jesus Christ as, a Lord, as our Lord and Savior. We're not trying to subvert death, but we don't fear death. There's no man, no reason for us to fear death. We know that there may be pain in life, but we understand pain and we know what to do with that pain. And every one of us embraces everything that God grants us in this life and uses it unto his glory. And so that passage, I love it so much because it speaks personally to every one of our lives. Every one of us has experienced some of these things of brokenheartedness and being captive and being in despair, but it's Christ that makes the difference. Every single week that we gather, every time we gather, it's our attempt to get you to see that Jesus does love you. It's not God's design. It's not his plan for us to live in a life that's, that's full of despair and full of depression and full of anger and full of hostility. That's not God's plan for your life. As a matter of fact, God's plan for our life is to embrace the goodness that he has. And we know for a fact that it's the Lord God Almighty that lifts up our head. Listen to this. But you, God, are a shield on all sides. You ground my feet. You lift my head high. It's the Lord that does that. He's the one that lifts up our heads. I was uh, a, a, a pastor friend of mine was uh, uh, sharing this story with me about uh, a fellow in his church, and he said the, the, the guy was telling him that he was going to, in a grocery store, and he had a, uh, I believe he said a three-year-old that was in the cart, and he was pushing the fellow along, and the, the little fellow was just acting up. I mean, he was just crying, and he was screaming, and saying that he didn't want to do this, and he didn't want to sit there, and he tried to give him something to, 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 to try to take his attention away, and he would throw that on the ground, and he would swing up at his daddy and just screaming, and he's, he's pushing him, trying to get him through the store, and then he's just looking down on him, and he's just saying, it's going to be okay, Albert. It's going to be okay. Albert, it's going to be fine. Soon we'll be home. We won't be in the store the whole time. We're going to leave the store. You're going to be good. You don't have to be angry. You don't have to be upset. It's going to be fine, Albert. Everything's going to be good. Soon we'll be out of this and we'll be at a place of peace. And this old lady comes along and, and she sees an elderly lady. I probably shouldn't say old nowadays since I'm getting close to that. But an elderly person comes along and she, she said to him, she says, she says uh, uh, sir, uh, I am so uh, amazed at how much patience uh, you have with Albert. I mean, you know, I, I saw what he was doing. I saw he was acting up and you just, you just keep talking to him and you just keep walking him through and, and you're just walking him through. Albert is so blessed to have a father like you. And he said, ma'am, I'm Albert. <laughs> and that's the truth. A whole lot of us are Alberts. You can do it. You can get through it. Just hang in there. A whole lot of us are walking through life being Alberts, trying to walk and talk our way from one situation to, to another. But I'm telling you, life can be better. Life can be good. The angels came along and they said that this is a time of great joy. We're not just talking about happiness that's external. We're talking about an internal joy that comes from Christ our Lord. It doesn't matter what the circumstances is. Jesus is a life changer. The scripture says, uh, sorry, the song says this, hail the heaven-born prince of peace. Hail the son of righteousness. Light and life to all he brings. So, so what am I saying? Sure, there's a mess in the world and sure, we can get caught up in that mess in the world, but God has a better plan for us.
God has a better plan for us. Luke 10, 2, 10, 11, and once again it says, And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Listen, hark, hear the message of the shepherds. You don't have to be afraid because the promise from God is that good news surely has come, that we can have great joy. The promise from the almighty God is that he is a savior. And I love that it uses the the phrase savior and Christ the Lord. Savior, yes, because he saves us from all of our sins. He's the one that washes our sins away. He's the one that grants us forgiveness. He's the one that cleanses us by the blood of the lamb that we can have a right relationship with him. But he's also Christ the Lord, the anointed one. And the scripture is real clear. It's the anointed one that breaks the bondages in our lives that releases us from the shackles. It's Christ Jesus, our Lord, that's anointed to break us free and a Savior who can save our soul. Can you say amen? I'm actually going to do a little illustration and get ready to wrap this up. I asked my wife to uh, get me some Christmas lights so I could hang some lights, and she brought me this mess. And uh, as most of you know, usually when you, these things are all tangled up. And before you can do anything with them, you you just got to start untangling them. But I thought about something. You you know, most of our life is a tangled mess. We ain't no different than a bunch of Christmas lights that ain't got no blink. Ain't got no bling and ain't got no blink. Just a bunch of Christmas lights all tangled up. But but what, what, what would I do with these? Christmas lights, if I want them to work, just one at a time, I just start untangling them. And and that's that's what you need to do with your life. Little by little, maybe this is a tangled mess. Little by little, you start untangling this thing. Little by little, you start to get this stuff to come apart. You, You start to, you know, break off some of those addictions. You get that untangled and you start to break off some of those marital issues and you, and you get those uncovered and you start to break off some of that financial stuff and you, and you get that uncovered and you, you, start to, you start to break off all of those issues you got with people and, and the anger and the animosity and you just, you just start breaking that stuff off. Little by little, you, you start to find out that you, you're getting somewhere and then you can make a bad turn and get yourself all tangled back up again. But, but, little, but little by little, you just, you just start untangling that that mess and pretty soon pretty soon sooner or later you got something here you got something here that you can use you got something here that you can do something with and 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 you know what we know about these christmas lights i may need another hand to make sure i don't get this thing you know what we know about christmas lights they they're not just designed to be on the floor christmas lights designed to have a purpose you see many of us Once we start to find, thank you, man, once we start to find a little freedom, then we discover that we got some purpose. There's something that's supposed to go on with our life. There's a place for us. There's a place of purpose. There's a place where we can have some use and, uh, and, and where we can, we can uh, do some things in our life that God created us. And we, and we start to find that purpose, just like these lights. They're not designed just to be in a box and, and in, 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 in Virginia's shed, all tied up and locked up. 
They're not designed to be there. They, they got a place, and, and, and you find out that they got a purpose. In this case, it's on the tree. But, but they're also not just designed to have a purpose. They're designed to make a difference. These things are designed to, to light up. They're designed to light up and make it bright, bright in the house and bright around the tree. But, 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 but this, this is what I know. I can't just stay here and say, lights on, and they're going to come on. Lights on. I'm the pastor. You in front of everybody. Lights on. It's not going to do it. Freedom, we got. Purpose, we got. And ready to make a difference. And that's, that's a lot of us in life. We're finding some freedom. And a lot of us in life just realize that, you know, there is a purpose for my life. I don't want to think about suicide anymore. I don't want to think about just hanging out in depression. I don't want to think about living a life in despair. I, I want to get past that. I want to get past that. And you discover that you, got, that you got a purpose. And then you realize when you got a purpose that you want to make a difference. But there's something that you cannot forget. Finding freedom, you can do. Discovering purpose, you might get there. And making a difference, you, you can do. But, but there's something missing. You see, even for, these tree, for this tree, something has to happen. Every one of us got to plug into a source. Every one of us, for this to be what God intended to be, it's got to plug into a source. You can, you can find some freedom. You can make a difference. Uh, you can discover purpose and make a difference. But you better get to know God. Because when you get to know God, life lights up. Everything comes together when you begin to know God. That's God's plan and purpose for our life. That's why he came down to us. He came down to us so indeed, yes, we can find purpose and yes, we can make a difference and yes, find freedom, but that we also can make a difference. He didn't just send joy. He didn't just send peace. Uh, uh, this is a, a true story. Fellow wrote, wrote this in his book. This is after uh, the issues that him and his, that he had went through in his marriage. And he writes a, writes a, a part in there about when his wife had left. They had been having some, some issues and some troubles, but he, he wasn't anticipating her leaving. But she left. They had two children, maybe three, uh, can't quite recall. And uh, when, when, he dis when he discovers that she's not there at the home, not stuff taken, but she just wasn't there, he texted her, no response. Waited about a half hour, texted her again, no response. Several times that day, text and called, no response. One day turned to two days, no response from her. After the second day, he decided to report her as a missing person. So now the police are involved and they're, they're trying to find her. Two days becomes a week. A week becomes two weeks. After the second week, he decided to hire a private investigator. He hires a private investigator, and the private investigator begins to do his work. And after two days of doing his work, he finds his wife, this man's wife, in a, in a shabby hotel downtown in their city. He calls the man and says, listen, I just saw your wife. Uh, here is where she is. So he loads up the kids. They go to the hotel. And I, I can't hardly tell this story without crying, but he go, they go to the hotel He's got the kids in the car. He goes and he knocks on the, on the hotel room door. His wife opens the door. She sees her husband and she sees the children and she walks into the house, I mean, into the room and just starts packing her bag. And then she just walks out, walks past her husband, walks past the children and just gets in the car. Didn't say a word. 
the husband puts the kids in the car and then he gets in the car and to drive home, he says, there was no conversation. I didn't want to bring up anything in front of the children and she didn't bring up anything. But then we get into the house, we get the kids settled and I go into the room. And when I get in the room, I asked her, I said, you know, when you left, I text you and I called you, but you didn't reply. I, I, I did it for days and then weeks and, the, and, the, and I had a, a missing person for you. You, you knew I was looking for you but, you, but you never replied. But then when I show up at the hotel, you just pack your bags, you get in the car and you come home. Why did you do that? And she said this, because you came for me. Did y'all miss that? You see, Jesus didn't just send us peace. He didn't just send us joy. He didn't just send us salvation. He came for us. He came down to wherever we were, a shabby hotel, wherever we were, a house on the hill, wherever we were, a back alley, wherever we were, in the back of a car. He came for us. He came for us because he wants us to have a life of joy and a life of peace. Now listen to me, listen to me. I'm wrapping this thing up, but listen to me. If you're here today and you want to make, you want to change life, today is the day you can do that. Tonight is the night you can do that. This Jesus came for you. Not just me, not just the person in front of you, not just the person next to you. He came for you. Jesus is the life changer. And I want the team to come, listen, we're going to go into a song, but I want, to, I want to let you know this. If you want to make that change today, we want to help you do it. We want, you to, we want to help you know God. We want to help you find freedom. We want to help you discover your purpose. We want to help you make a difference. Every one of you, excluding the front row, every one of you have in front of you, there's a, there's a, a connect card and a next step card in front of you and a pen. As we're singing this song, I'm, I'm going to invite you to take that card out and make an indication of what's going on in your heart. For some of you, it might simply be a prayer request. And I know some of you here that come to CTC every week, you see those cards every week, but I'm gonna tell you what we did today. We had 113 of those cards from San Luis last night and every one of those cards and prayer requests got prayed for last night, every, uh, this morning, every one of them. It's the same with you. Maybe it's not a commitment to Christ that you need. Maybe it's not baptism that you need, but you got a prayer request. Maybe it's a family member that you're praying for that Christ would come in their life. Or maybe it's someone, uh, a co-worker, and you want to see a change in their life. Or maybe it's a prayer request for you. But I want you to take that card out. And I want you to indicate on it. Just if you want to just give us your name and email address, do whatever you want to do to fill out that card. But if you want to make a commitment to Christ or you want to rededicate your life or you need to be baptized, or you need to be in a small group, or you need to be serving. Listen, all of this is part of what Jesus wants to do for us. He wants us to know him. He wants us to find freedom. We do that through our small groups. We do that in so many different capacities. We want you to know that Christ came and saved your life. You can make a commitment to him, be water baptized, experience the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And you can live a life that absolutely is transforming. So while we sing, 
I'm going to give you a moment to, to fill out that card and you can just pass that card down. There's going to be people on the end with buckets. They're just going to come through as the cards go down. Just collect them and, and put them in those and put them in those buckets. And I, I promise you, we'll follow up with you. And if it's just a prayer request, we'll pray over it. Let's, let's worship the Lord while you take a moment.